0: Uh, today, our gospel uh, hits on something that, some, one of Jesus' teaching that is actually not very easy. I think we've heard pretty much all of these things told to us at some point in our life. Be merciful just as your Heavenly Father is merciful. Lend without expecting repayment. All these different kind of commandments in Jesus' sermon of how to handle and how to work with people around us. Essentially, coming down to one line, being merciful just as your Heavenly Father is merciful. Now, that may seem like a, like a pretty easy Christian topic. Like, that's something that, like, oh yeah, we, we're Christians, we're supposed to do that whole mercy thing. But, in reality, it's one of the hardest things to actually do. Now, we'll get to that in a, in a moment, but uh, just as a, uh, an update, this week I was able to go on vacation. Um, it was awesome. I was five other priests and myself. We went, we went to a condo. Uh, and in February, we uh, need to get a new travel agent because we went to the beach. <laughs> now, the same beautiful, gloomy, gray weather that we've been having here, that it feels like the world's sweating all the time, right? It feels like the bricks are even, like, got water coming out their pores. That's the same weather that was there. We were on the Florida coast. It was pretty nice, it was fun. Um, I'm a person that's like, I don't need a beach, I just need a balcony, right? I just need a view and some, like, some, some fresh air and I'm good, uh, and like the phone being as far away from me as possible. But it was a good it was a wonderful vacation. Even though the weather wasn't beautiful, it was either too cold or it felt like it was sweaty. <laughs> It was was a a great vacation because myself and the other priests, basically what we did was is we just got the chance to hang out because there was nothing really else to do. So what we did was is we were watching just movies. We'd put a movie on, we'd hang out in the living room, wait a couple hours, put another movie on, hang out in the living room, wait a couple hours. Well, at one point, I decided I was going to watch an old movie that I've I've watched a thousand times because it was the only VHS at my grandmother's house. We watched The Little Giants. Now if you have any idea what this movie is, it's a movie, about, it's like a little football movie and it's from the early 90s, so it's like all kind of good lessons and stuff in it. Um, but we were enjoying it, we were laughing, I was like quoting the movie. Well there's the, in, in The Little Giants there's an actor, his name is Rick Moranis. Now if you ever seen Honey, I Shrunk the Kids or one of those movies, he's the geeky dad. Basically like he's the geeky dad of the early 90s movies, right? And this guy, I remember seeing him. He was in movie after movie after movie in the early 90s. And then all of a sudden, he just stopped. Like you saw him over and over and over again. And he was a successful actor and he played this kind of like role really, really well. And then all of a sudden, at one point, he's just no longer in the movies. It just stopped. Now I remember thinking, man, I wonder what happened to this guy that all of a sudden, it just stopped. Because he, like he had to have had a good life. Like he had to be comfortable, he was, he was, make, he was an actor that was like popular, he was known around, he, he, he could get a lot of different roles and things, and then all of a sudden, he's just no longer in movies. Well, what happened was, his, uh, his wife, he had a family, his wife, his kids, well, his wife ended up coming down with cancer. And she ended up passing away. And right about the time she passed away was the time that he just decided, no more. And he stepped out of a very, very successful career of acting to be a stay-at-home dad. Now, that, that, that's a noble thing. That's a really good, like, that's a a good thing. And I think us as Christians can understand that what what we see in that kind of example, not to say that the guy's perfect because I'm sure he has his stuff, but we see in that kind of example, that kind of heroic act, we see somebody going from deciding to do what's easy and good or comfortable to doing the great thing. He gave up something that was good to do something that would be great. He didn't, he didn't just get uh, jaded by all of the all of the success he was having. He didn't let somebody else raise his kids. He didn't do any of the he what he did was is he basically stepped out and said, I'm gonna do the most important thing instead of something that's easy or comfortable or just good. See, Pope Francis and Pope uh, Benedict once said, uh, You're not made for comfort, Christians. Christians, you are not made for comfort. You're made for greatness. And I think in that kind of act of giving up something that was so easy, a a comfortable life, a career that was successful, for the great thing to be a stay at home dad, something that quite honestly doesn't get the press. is more important than ever for those kids who didn't have a mom like that kind of thing he's heeding Pope Benedict's call of don't do the comfortable but do the great in fact Jim Carrey a uh, famous actor right Uh, Ace Ventura and the Grinch and all those movies like he once said I hope that I wish that everybody who wanted to be an actor, everybody who wanted the fame and the power and the money that comes with a successful career in acting, he once said in an interview, he said, I hope that everybody who would seek that kind of life would get it. I hope that every dream, every wish, every dollar and every ounce of fame that a person would want, they would be able to receive And Jim Carrey once said, he said, the reason why I hope that is because then they can figure out how empty it is, that happiness is not there. I think for us, we look at this, happiness is not in the comfortable, not in the easy, not in the just good, right? Happiness is found in the heroic and in the great. Today, as we look at the scriptures, both of our readings talk about doing the great thing. Over the just easy, or the just good. First reading, we hear about David and Saul. Now in the Old Testament, let's give a little bit of context. Saul was the king. David is this new anointed, like, handsome, ruddy, warrior kind of guy that God picks. Saul is the king. David rises, he, you know, he got a really good aim with a slingshot and knocks out Goliath. He starts doing a few different things, and he grows in a lot of popularity very, very quickly as a warrior. Well, the old king isn't too happy by that. And there becomes this rivalry in the Old Testament between Saul, King Saul, and David, who would become king and would be the greatest of the the Hebrew kings, right? But there's this rivalry that's going on between them. And in our first reading, we hear about Saul coming after David with 3,000 men. Now, I don't know about you. I've had fights with people. I've had people try and get two or three people mad at me. Whenever you come in after me with 3,000, we got a problem. There's, it's, there's a lot of reason for animosity if you're gonna attack me with 3,000 people. But the episode we hear about today in the reading, David and a couple of his officials sneak over to Saul's camp. And sure enough, they walk into his tent where he's sleeping. And they see his spear stuck in the ground and him laid out right next to it. And his, his aides, his, his, like his, his leaders are looking at him going, man, you got a gift. The guy that's been coming after you, you can kill. And all you have to do is pick up the spear, move it, and drop it. That's it. It's all you have to do. Three feet, and it's over and he's no longer pursuing you. Now David is standing there, and he has every reason to do this. He has every reason to end Saul's life, to end this war, to end this rivalry. But in the law it says, you shall not touch the Lord's anointed. And Saul was anointed king. So David, instead of doing that, He does the heroic. He does the great instead of the just good, right? He takes the spear, and he brings it with him as a little trophy, basically revealing to Saul, I could have killed you, but I showed mercy. He does the merciful thing, the greater merciful thing, over what would have been easy or what would have been immediate, like, satisfaction. In our gospel today, we hear over and over Jesus talking about all these hard sayings, forgiving your enemies, offering another cheek whenever one has been struck. Over and over, Jesus is giving hard sayings to us, telling us, do not do the easy or the just good or the comfortable thing in life. Rather, be great, be heroic, and be merciful. Now, I think in our world today, I think we've talked about this before a little bit, I think in our world today, our world loves to be divisive. Our world loves division. Our culture today, more than in in past times, loves to draw a line in the sand and say, you people over there, us over here, and we're going to fight. Social media influences this because there's an anonymity where, like, I can go on and say whatever, but it's not gonna actually hurt me because I don't have to look anybody in the face. There's a bunch of different reasons. We got a hyper politicizing of the world where every issue makes you more of a Democrat, a more of a Republican, a more of a conservative, a more of a liberal. We constantly are in conflict with one another. And we don't look across the aisle, across the border, and see people. We look across and we see enemies. I know in my life, one of the places that I see these rivalries play out more than ever, and I'm a big football fan, y'all, but like one of the places I see that is when it comes to LSU against anyone in the SEC. Like I remember, I, I know when I look at it, I'm like, you know what, uh, Ole Miss, we play in Ole Miss, uh-uh, I can't stand Ole Miss, right? When I was in college, that was, the, that was like the word leading up to the game, can't stand Ole Miss. Florida, oh my goodness, I can't, I thought I couldn't stand Ole Miss, I really can't stand Florida. Auburn, uh no, 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 uh no, uh-uh, uh-uh, they're going to come light a cigar in our field and see what happens, you know, I'm just saying. Anyway, uh, but there's one team that I really can't stand. There's one team that whenever they lose a game, because they never do, right, whenever they lose a game, I don't care who they play in could be the Cleveland Browns. It could be the Little Sisters of the Poor. I don't care. If they lose in a game, I'm watching it. It's Alabama. And I I take joy in the fact that they lose games. I love watching a game. And this is really sad, but it's being a little bit honest, right? Like, I take joy in the fact that I get to see the Surrender Cobra going on with all of their fans. And if you don't know what I mean by the surrender Cobra, this is what I'm talking about. When the game's over and they can't believe they lost and they go, oh. Because it looks like a Cobra, right? I know, I can't stand when I I love watching their fans crying after games, ha ha, you thought you were gonna win. Right? And it doesn't have to be that they lost to my team because they never do apparently anymore. But I love watching it, and I get this spiteful feeling that, you know what? It's those people on the other side. In fact, if, if, if you may not be one, but I, I know this year in the Super Bowl, if I can't win, then I want the team that got, that, that got the better of me to lose. How many people here cheered for the Patriots to win the Super Bowl? Yep, we got a lot of hands going up. <laughs> Because you know what, if we're gonna get something unjust happen to us, I don't want you to benefit. There's a divisiveness that happens in our culture. Now, I'm joking around about the sport examples, but if we replace LSU and Alabama with Democrat and Republican, it looks the same way. It looks very, very similar. If we replace LSU and Alabama with white versus black, It can look the same way. It can sound a lot similar. Our culture today does not breed unity. Our culture today breeds divisiveness. And we as Christians are called to be merciful and to rise above what might be good or easy or comfortable. And to be heroic, to be great and to be merciful like the Lord. God has every, God, if he wanted to, if we wanted a God that was just and only just, we would all be in a lot of trouble. If we had a God that was simply a a hard God, a mean God, a vengeful God, who was basically just sending people to hell left and right, we would be in a lot of trouble. But we have a God who's merciful to the point of, you know what? I'm going to humble myself, become man, die for your sins so that I can have you back. So that I can have you in communion with me. Every time we go to confession, every time we come to Mass and confess our sins, every time we are forgiven, the Lord is bridging the gap. He's erasing the divide. He's showing mercy over justice. He's inviting us back. Today, God calls us not to be just comfortable, just good, or do an easy life. God calls us to be like him, to be merciful, to be great, to be heroic as we go out. The last words of of today's Mass are going to be, go and proclaim the gospel of the Lord. May we be conduits of God's grace. May we be bridges in a world that loves division. May we be the disciples and and the proclaimers of the word that God is calling us to be. Because first, we've received his mercy, and second, we can't help but share it. May our hearts today be conformed more to his as we come to receive him. May we be animated and strengthened by his sacrament, by his word today, as we go out and we're, we're call, and, and answer the call to be merciful like the Father. Even if it's with somebody across the aisle, even if it's with somebody across the border, even if it's with somebody that wears red on Saturday. Whoever it is, may God allow us, may may God's grace strengthen us to be merciful to others.